This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 442, and today we are talking about some of our favorite nonfiction of 2023. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Vanessa Diaz, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Vanessa, hello! Hi! We're back. We're back. I missed you. I haven't gotten to record with you in a little bit. Yes. Ta-da! You didn't miss anything. I said a a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of words. Even more so last week than usual. That's okay. I just get really excited to record. That's, it's funny, we've been doing this for so long, and yet we still, uh, Liberty and I have talked about off, ca- or off, off camera, off, off recording, yeah, that, like you still feel like a little bit of nervousness and like excited when you go to podcast, even though we've been doing this, me for a few years, Lib, since like the 70s at this point. <laughs> so Seriously, it feels like it. <laughs> um, we just love talking. Yeah, I think we're coming up on our ninth, ninth year? Eighth year next year. Oh my gosh. No, ninth, yeah, because we started in 2015, so I don't oh, yeah, know what the date is. So, speaking of numbers, this is episode 442, and the corresponding area code covers southeastern California, which covers Oceanside, Escondido, Victorville, Carlsbad, and Vista. Vista? You would know. You're in California. Like, I mean, we would say Vista, but most people call it Vista. And I'm actually really shocked. That must be a new area code because that did not exist when I was growing up. But I don't I don't live in like northern San Diego. I mean, I don't live in San Diego anymore at all, <laughs> but I used to. And yeah, that's a new one. It must have because it got so big. They huh. must have added a new one. I've always thought that Carlsbad was a funny name for a town. It Carlsbad. <laughs> He's bad. See? He's not great. That's funny. Yeah, living down there is so funny because so many of the names are like so very clearly like supposed to be pronounced in a Spanish accent because you know California was once Mexico, but now everybody says stuff like, yeah, Vista, Escondido, El Cajon. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, fun for me. Yeah, there's a lot of places in California. So many. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Shall I tell us about some fun stuff going on over at TBR? Yes, please. All right, readers, it is happening. Very excited because I got to see the behind the scenes on this happening. We're bringing paperbacks. <laughs> Get it? You have to maybe be a millennial. But anyway, whether you are a reader, you know, love or hate carrying around bulky hardcovers. If you're on a budget, maybe you just want to write a range of recommendations or all of the above. You can now get a paperback subscription from TBR that's curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. The holidays are here. We've got three different levels for gifting. So something to suit every budget. You can get all the details now at mytbr.co. Again, that's mytbr.co. I'm very excited for that. All right. Yeah, uh, I love working on TBRs because, like, even even when I think I know every book, the the bibliologists surprise me. Like, oh, absolutely. That one. Yeah, and there are a couple <laughs> of bibs where I'm like, we read all the same books. Like, we should be best friends. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So we are going to talk about nonfiction. 
Uh, every year I say I'm going to read more nonfiction. That's like my goal. And every year I fail. But I do feel like I read some spectacular ones this year. Um, and I feel like there was a lot more nonfiction in uh, best of lists this year. Unless like they were separating it by fiction and nonfiction. And then, of course, it's going to be the of same. Course. But um, I feel like there was a lot of it in in uh, the list this year. Uh, but before we get into that, we are going to hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95. And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we're going to tell you about some of our favorite nonfiction books of the year. You've probably heard us talk about them on the show already, or at least me, because I'm on here every week. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're just going to give you a little idea about them. And, you know, maybe you're going to want to read them for yourself, get them for someone for a gift. Um, just raise your hands in the air and say, yay. I don't know. But I am going to kick it off. With Better Living Through Birding, Notes from a Black Man in the Natural World by Christian Cooper. Uh, Christian Cooper gained unwanted fame when a white woman called the police on him for birdwatching in Central Park. Uh, it went viral. Um, but this memoir is about how he's so much more than that. He grew up a gay blurred, or a black nerd, uh, and had a job working for Marvel Comics. And now his love of birds has brought him a job hosting a show about birds. It is a delightful, charming memoir. Uh, when I talked about it before, I did mention it's so just cute, this one part where he's a little kid and he's decided that he loves birds. Like he's just sort of discovered his love of birds uh, and he's in his backyard and he sees a really cool bird and he's so excited because he thinks he's the first person to have ever seen this bird, oh. you know, and you can just see this little kid being like, I discovered a bird. It's just so cute. But if you love nature, if you love nerds, if you love to read memoirs, this is a great one. It's Better Living Through Birding, Notes from a Black Man in the Natural World by Christian Cooper. I have that one high on my list. So when I looked down at the 
you know, calendar for the rest of the Don't look down at things. Episodes. Oh, yeah. Well, I decided to. And I uh, <laughs> kind of like Liberty just said, like, I was like, oh, cool. I'm on the nonfiction episode. Great. Right. And then I, I went through and looked at my <laughs> what I've been reading. And I freaking failed this year at reading nonfiction. Like, big fat F. I, I blame that mostly on me really, really reaching for escapist reads this year. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed of that per se. But I do always have that goal, like Liberty said, of wanting to read more nonfic. So I'm going to give us a list of books that I've either did read and love throughout the year, uh, scrambled to read and really enjoyed uh, once I figured out I was going to be on this episode and or just now have a really renewed interest in wanting to read uh, in part thanks to like all those bestseller lists that are coming out right now. So there's that caveat. But let me go ahead and tell you about a couple, uh, two or three of ones that I really, really just left a mark on me. The first one that I want to tell you about is one that I'm super excited and oh, it, this one really impacted me a lot and it's called Liliana's Invincible Summer, A Sister's Search for Justice by Cristina Rivera Garza. This book, y'all, how to describe it is hard. Um, it's it's not true crime, like in the typical sense, but it does center around a crime. So it is something that I think will appeal to folks who like to read true crime and are looking for ones that are not only like ethically produced, but that involve the family. It's the heartbreaking story about a woman that's looking for justice 30 years after her sister was killed and she died in what was almost certainly an act of femicide by her boyfriend in Mexico City back in the 90s. The author has traveled from her home in Texas to Mexico in search of Liliana's case file. And from there, the book weaves back and forth between a few different perspectives. Like we follow the author as she tries to not only track down the file, but maybe kind of fill in the gaps of her sister's case. We hear from people who knew her and loved her. We hear passages from Liliana's journals, which are really interesting because they're a collection of musings that are kind of all over the place. Like they range from lighthearted pondering about, you know, her friends and her lovers and her future and who she wants to become. And they're a little bit arty sometimes and other times they're more chaotic. And then there are sections where she's very obviously fearful because of this boyfriend that she's dealing with. And we as the readers are just seeing all of these red flags like jumping off the page. And it's, it's just so heartbreaking, especially because this author is such like an accomplished writer and just writes so lyrically and beautifully. So it's just kind of a genre defying thing. Like I loved this book so much. It gave me comfort, even though it's about a really difficult subject, but I think shines a really important light on femicide um, in Mexico and Latin America in general, and just the way we treat women in general. So, so touching and powerful. So that's Liliana's Invis Invincible Summer, A Sister's Search for Justice by Cristina Rivera Garza. All right. My next pick is also a memoir. It's In the Form of a Question, The Joys and Rewards of a Curious Life by Amy Schneider. Amy Schneider is the most successful woman to compete on Jeopardy, winning $1.3 million. This is Amy's story of growing up curious about the world, how much she loves learning, her favorite things to learn about, and how it her interest in learning brought not only... Jeopardy fame, but gave her the chance to become a hero to openly queer and transgender people. Her experience was not always easy. She faced a lot of harassment, but she has an amazing attitude, an amazing sense of humor, and an amazing mind. Um, she's just so funny and cool. And when I was watching the show, I was like, we could be B BFFs. Like, we should be BFFs. <laughs> Even though her favorite team is the Golden State Warriors, <laughs> I think we could still be BFFs. Um, I just, I want to hear more from her. Um, I was very sad. I had to miss a podcast that she was doing like a live podcast with 
um, one of the other Jeopardy contestants a couple weeks ago. Um, Cause everything she says is just so interesting. And I follow her on Instagram and she does like the trivia of the day on Tuesdays. And anyway, I could just gush about her forever. So I'm going to tell you that if you like to learn and you like Jeopardy, you like trivia, it is in the form of a question, the joys and rewards of a curious life by Amy Schneider. She's so cool. She is so cool. I just sent this to someone I know who is uh, waiting to get a call from Jeopardy. Like they qualified. So that is so cool. Maybe, maybe you'll get some tips from this. Yeah, that's awesome. Love that. All right. My second pick is one that you heard about really, really recently from my buddy Jen, who subbed for me when I was very much under the weather. And that is Eyeliner by Zara Hankir. Jen was kind enough to fill in for me and told you about it. So again, I'm not going to say too much. Um, but just again, it's a reminder that this is indeed a book about eyeliner. But of course, it's way more than that. It is one of those cool micro histories that does you know what micro histories do where they tell the story of a super specific thing and then relate it to a much bigger picture in this case you get like the global origins of eyeliner from ancient times to modern ones and how it's been used as everything from yes a tool of you know like makeup and self-expression to protection and get the author's personal thoughts a bunch of pop culture lots of history Really great conversations with everyone from drag queens, makeup brand owners, Indian dancers, geishas, like just really runs the gamut. And if you like her writing, definitely go back and read the amazing anthology she edited, which is called Our Women on the Ground. It's a collection of essays by Arab women journalists that are reporting from the Arab world. So you're kind of getting a twofer, but really loved this book. There's so many great micro histories out right now. If you're a subscriber to The Deep Dive, you will have seen this. Uh, Jeff did a roundup of a lot of the micro histories from 2023. So you should definitely go check that out if you um, are into this sort of thing. So again, that is Eyeliner, A Cultural History by Sarah Hankir. All right. My next pick is We Were Once a Family, A Story of Love, Death, and Child Removal in America by Roxana Asgarian. Uh, I thought that I would see this on more end-of-the-year lists. This was one of the hardest books I have ever read, but also one of the best nonfiction books I have ever read. And I know so many people who feel the same way. Uh, I just don't know if maybe people didn't read it because it's such a hard subject. Mm -hmm. This examines the story of the six black children who were killed by their adoptive white parents, but not just a look at that crime, but also a deep dive into the foster care and adoption systems in this country. How, like most things, those systems are for profit. So it is not in the best interest of the people in charge of foster care and adoption systems to return kids to their families if they've been removed and how that resulted in these two sets of siblings being adopted by this white couple when they actually had family members who wanted to take them in. Um, it is infuriating and devastating, but necessary to learn about because it is yet one more system in America that needs to be overhauled. Uh, that is We Were Once a Family, a story of love, death, and child removal in America by Roxana Asgarian. I have definitely had that one on my list as important reading may not have brain space for this now, but I definitely need to go back. And yeah. Like, I have very strong feelings about the foster system. So like, obviously there are people in both, you know, adoption agencies and foster care systems who care about the children and Absolutely. want the best for them, but it gets more higher up and further into the government where they're just like, we get money from this. So, yep. you know, you, your hands are tied. 
yeah, they're great people in a lot of instances, but a really flawed system. And that yep. is harder. So Oof, I know. Okay, so my next one is another one that I put off reading, even though I had bought it a long time ago, just because I needed a bit, even though it's not necessarily traumatic. It's just about like a subject that can be really polarizing. And I, I loved it so much. And that's You Just Need to Lose Weight and 19 Other Myths About Fat People by Aubrey Gordon. This, I was about to say this book, y'all, which I think I already said, but that is just how I feel. Um, <laughs> I had to pause and rewind this audiobook several times just to hear certain parts again. If you don't know Aubrey Gordon, she's the co-host of the Maintenance Phase podcast, which she co-hosts with Michael Hobbs, such a phenomenal podcast, and the creator of Your Fat Friend. She's been a community organizer and has written for so many publications in and of, of her experiences, the realities of life as a very fat person. It's accessible, but also very direct and clear-eyed, and it debunks 19 myths that are all too familiar for anyone who has ever lived in a fat body. And it's also meant to fat function as a workbook, both for fat people and allies. So it gives you like the tools to debunk common anti-fat myths, especially if you have, you know, friends and or just people in your close circle who like still say these kinds of things to you, as well as folks who are maybe new to unpacking their anti-fat mindset and beliefs. And it gives them tools that allow them to sort of assess all of that bias and to take action for fat justice with sort of everyday rewirings of how your brain works. It is, I was like, are there really 19 myths? Yeah, there were 19 and it's things you hear all the time. <laughs> all you have to do is calories in, calories out. Or anyway, I won't go into all of them because yeah, there's 19, but it is so, it's it's also like not very long. It's very concise, but you can tell she's just got years and years of, you know, this research uh, at the home and, and cites a lot, you know, there's, there's stuff to back it up. Lots of studies, lots of publications. She's not just, you know, riffing at the top of her head. So if that's something that you are looking to work on or that you just need like a toolkit for yourself to be able to address those kinds of myths in the real world, I highly recommend this book and that podcast. So again, that's You Just Need to Lose Weight and 19 Other Myths About Fat People by Aubrey Gordon. My next pick is The Art Thief, A True Story of Love, Crime, and a Dangerous Obsession by Michael Finkel. Michael Finkel wrote Stranger in the Woods about the North Pond Hermit, the man who lived in the Maine woods alone for 27 years, surviving by stealing from homes and cabins. This is another true crime story about Stefan Breitweiser, the world's most prolific art thief. Over eight years in Europe, he pulled off 200 heists, grabbing over 300 objects. But talent can only get you so far for so long if you're going to keep pushing your luck. You know, he was eventually caught. Uh, even though no one could really believe that all of this was done by one person. Um, and this is his story. It's fascinating. I, art theft is fascinating to me. Like it's I always is. watch those documentaries and read the books. You know, there are so many fake pieces out there mm -hmm. that are believed to be real, you know, that are in museums and private collections and, you know, art heists. You know, there's something about like the cat burglar, like stealing things, you know, <laughs> And so many talented artists who can replicate things just like that now. You know, uh, there was a documentary, I can't remember what it was called, but I watched one about a guy who could just like paint any style and oh, yes, make it really that. impossible for for people to tell the difference. You know, mm -hmm. it's amazing. Um, but bad. Don't don't forge art. Don't do that. OK, I'm not <laughs> I'm not condoning it, um, but it's cool if you can. But don't. Um, anyway, this is just, it's a great book. Finkel has delivered another fascinating examination of a person living on the outside of society. It is The Art Thief, A True Story of Love, Crime, and a Dangerous Obsession by Michael Finkel. Oh yeah, I guess I should mention that the love part is that his girlfriend was his lookout 
when he was pulling off these jobs. Okay, so the next, uh, what, five of my picks are ones that I have either read in part or not read at all. And this next one is one that I have read in part. Uh, So let me go ahead and kick that off. But it's called Creep, Accusations and Confessions by Miriam Gurwa. I first became aware of Miriam Gurwa during the absolute uh, word I can't say show about the American dirt controversy. I'm choosing joy today, so I'm not going to go into it. You can go back and hear my thoughts on, I think, the Book Riot podcast if you so choose, but really we can move on. I bring that up only to say that this is when I became familiar with Miriam Gurba's work because she was a very vocal critic of the decision to publish the book and just of the book itself. She's a really talented writer and critic, the author of five or six books, I think, including Mean and the winner of so many awards and accolades for her essays and criticism, writing a lot about intersectional Latina identity. Creep is her latest essay collection, which is described as an informal sociology of creeps, a deep dive into the dark recesses of the toxic traditions that plague the United States and create the abusers who haunt our books, schools, and homes. Honestly, this could be about broccoli, and in Medium's capable hands, I'd read it. Like, I'm really excited to do so. The part that I have gotten to is already, like, a thing I had to kind of stop and reread certain sections, which is why it's taking me a bit. But uh, the cover is really stunning. It's just, I can't wait to spend more time with this and have her blow my brain wide open. So again, that is Creep, Accusations, and Confessions by Miriam Gurba. I got to see her talk about it uh, for a publisher event, and it was just fascinating. You know, she talks about like all these literary figures that we hold up and like how they're problematic in some ways. And it was just really interesting. She she has a whole section on Joan Didion, you know, and she, I'm paraphrasing, but she basically said, um, you know, I talk about why she's important, but also I slap her around a little bit. <laughs> that last sentence part with the sentence was verbatim, which I thought was hilarious. Yes, absolutely. Um, so my next pick for today, uh, because you know how much Yay. I love basketball these days, is <laughs> Black Ball, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Spencer Haywood, and the Generation That Saved the Soul of the NBA by Teresa Runstedler. Uh, some people don't know that... You know, basketball started, you know, uh, like 100 years ago. And in the 60s and 70s, there was actually a second league. There was the ABA as well as the NBA. Um, And the ABA went on for a while. They had different styles of playing. They had some different rules. Uh, And when it disbanded in 1976, many players joined the NBA. And the NBA also adopted the three-point shot, which was something that the ABA did. Hmm. Um, And at this time... People didn't watch games live. There was not the rabid fandom for basketball that we have today. They weren't even offered live. Like the basketball games would be taped and played later at night if they were shown at all uh, until like the early 80s. Like this changed. Um, And it was partly because of some of the biggest stars of the 1970s. They were responsible for making it popular while facing racism from fans and the organizations And this is how several black basketball players in the 1970s were responsible for breaking down barriers that were still in existence, despite having black players in the leagues for decades. This is a great book for sports fans, history fans, civil rights fans. And I just have to say it again. I'm sure I've said it here before. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the most fascinating people you will ever read about. Uh, If you can read anything about him or see him talk or, or anything, he's he's so, so interesting. Um, And this is Black Ball, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Spencer Haywood, and the Generation That Saved the Soul of the NBA by Teresa Runstedler. 
that was one that I was like, maybe I'll pick it. And then I'm like, who am I kidding? Come on. <laughs> Gotta leave that to live. <laughs> it's Mine. really good. <laughs> it's all yours. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. So my next one is another one in the camp of own it, gonna read it, important read. Maybe not right now. Um, but I have been newly reminded to read it because it was just talked about on the most recent episode of the Vibe Check podcast, which I really, really enjoy. And that is Poverty by America by Matthew Desmond. I had to make sure this was published this year because March feels like a thousand years ago, but it did indeed come out this year. And I'm really, really interested in finally getting to it, if for no other reason that I've been thinking a lot about, yeah, the poverty and just socioeconomic systems that we have in this country, which are, you know, flawed is, <laughs> to call them flawed, I should say, is like the understatement of a century. Um, and again, it's it was they did a um, book club episode on the Vibe Check podcast with the author that I've been wanting to go back and spend some time with. Pulitzer Prize winning author Matthew Desmond also wrote the book Evicted a few years ago, several years ago at this point. And this one explore, explores why poverty persists in America. And the answer is one that a lot of us know, even if we don't want to confront it. And it persists because the rest of us benefit from it, some more than others. So again, a book that I was like, oh, this is not going to be, you know, a walk in the park, but it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to, you know, hit hard. And I want to do, learn more about the systems in place and maybe what some of us can try to do to to help uh, so anyway that is poverty by america by matthew desmond all right now for something completely different my next pick is the theory of everything else a voyage into the world of the weird by dan schreiber this is perfect for people who like weird history who like debunked theories the author is the co-host of the hit podcast no such thing as a fish this book looks at all kinds of things people believe in, such as ghosts, aliens, and cryptids, and things people might believe possible, like time travel, space travel, like way beyond where we've gone, uh, and talking animals. Uh, there's just some wacky stuff in this book. Uh, there's things about how there are Nobel scientists, billionaires, and people in high positions of power who believe the most ridiculous theories and have seriously racist ideas. Uh, it covers historical beliefs that have carried over into today. Schreiber has thoroughly investigated each of these uh, ideas that he talks about. I foresee a sequel um, in, in the future, um, I guess because uh, they haven't debunked um, fortune telling yet. Uh, so this is definitely one of those, hey, did you know books? Like you're like, hey, did you know? Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? Like all the time. It's perfect for fans of Mary Roach and Colin Dickey. It is called The Theory of Everything Else, A Voyage into the World of the Weird by Dan Schreiber. You just rang so many of my bells. Like I love a did you know? I love Mary Roach. Like just, I need to read It's that. really fun. And also it's in like little sections. Like you could read yep. about like Bigfoot one day and then time travel the next day. Oh, it's fun. That is, I'm just going to write this down. Yeah, I'm about to embark on my like holiday, end of the year, try to read things. <laughs> so I think I'm going to try that. Okay. My next pick is one that is finally a little bit more joyful than some of the last ones I've been talking about. All important books, but I just needed something a little lighter. And that is Moby Dyke, An Obsessive Quest to Track Down the Last Remaining Lesbian Bars in America by Krista Burton. As many of y'all know, I was born and raised in San Diego, California. We talked about it at the top of this episode, coincidentally. And it's home to a lovely queer women's and LGBTQ plus restaurant and nightclub called The Gossip Grill. I've been to it several times with friends. It's a great spot. I knew it had a history, but I didn't realize until this book came out and how many of our uh, rioters and staff were talking about it, that lesbian bars are an endangered species in the U.S., 
There were over 200 of them in the 80s, but now there are, I think, 20 of them that survive. And that's such a shame. So the author, Krista Burton, decided to visit each of those 20-something bars and get a sense of, of course, their past, their present, their future. It's a goal of mine to read more queer history. And this sounds like a really great place to start that has like a, you know, back home connection, not that it needed to. But yeah, I'm really excited to dive into that. And hopefully that is a thing that we can see, you know, the trend go in the opposite direction at some point. So that again is Moby Dyke, an obsessive quest to track down the last remaining lesbian bars in America by Krista Burton. All right. My next pick is a memoir called How to Say Babylon by Sophia Sinclair. This has been on so many end-of-the-year lists. I also got to hear uh, Sinclair talk about this at a publisher event, and I was just completely enraptured. It sounded so good, I couldn't wait to read it. This is Sinclair's memoir of her Rastafarian upbringing in Jamaica. Um, there are a lot of stereotypes perpetuated about Rastafarians, people thinking only of like dreadlocks and reggae. Um, it's actually a political and religious movement that was started in the 1930s. And Sinclair's father was indeed a reggae musician. Um, he belonged to a strict sect of Rastafarians. And Sinclair grew up in a house under patriarchal rule with a very strict father who was also hypocritical. But he insisted that the women in the house wear no makeup. They could only wear long sleeves. They couldn't wear pants. They could only wear dresses, no jewelry. And her mother, like, kind of secretly instilled in her a love of books like she passed books along to them um and this is about how she eventually rebelled against him and she cut her hair which was forbidden uh and went against the rastafari religious movement um it's a it's beautiful to read about a young woman gaining her independence and becoming empowered it is how to say babylon a memoir by sophia sinclair that one is on so many lists right now i keep seeing it everywhere i look yeah well i'm going to take us right back down to books that are not so happy but very important and kind of says it all in the title it's called the 272 the families who were enslaved and sold to build the american catholic church by rachel l swarns and not to make this a super personal episode of all about my past because i've referenced several things but yeah one of my personal things like i grew up catholic i was um well, I have a very, very different relationship with Catholicism and religion in general these days for all of the reasons you can probably guess. And I've been trying to seek out books, not just about people deconstructing religion, but books about the histories of, you know, the church that can mean it, the Christian church, the Catholic church, and, you know, Christianity as a whole. I think it's important to know this stuff and these histories because it's clearly stuff that we're not being taught, whether you identify as Catholic or religious or not. The first sentence is pretty much the summary is in 1838, or the first sentence of the copy, which is in 1838, a group of America's most prominent Catholic priests sold 272 enslaved people to save their largest mission project. And the part that got me is this, what is now Georgetown University? Like, what? <laughs> like, not a thing I was ever taught in Sunday school or Catholic school or what have you, and of course isn't going to, and I'm, I'm both very ready to learn more about this and so very not. But I've uh, seen this on a lot of lists. It sounds like it's really making uh, an impact. And it's an important history that is so inconvenient and uncomfortable. And that is why we should know it. So that is the 272, the families who were enslaved and sold to build the American Catholic Church by Rachel L. Swarns. All right. Before I tell you my last pick for today, we are going to hear from another sponsor. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, my last pick is Fireweather, a true story from a hotter world by John Valent. Valent is the author of The Tiger, which was about the Siberian tiger that hunted and killed a couple of hunters that had wounded it uh, in Russia. It's also an amazing history book about the area. It's one of my very, very favorite nonfiction books. Love it so much. Um, This one, Fireweather, was a finalist for the uh, National Book Award for nonfiction. It's about Fort McMurray, which is the focal point of Canada's national petroleum industry, also the U.S.'s biggest supplier of oil, and how in 2016, a wildfire swept through Fort McMurray. It cost billions of dollars in damage. It displaced almost 90,000 people. And Valent details the catastrophe, the causes, what can be learned from this, uh, because he also discusses how this is a symptom of a planet growing hotter every year and how we can expect more disasters like this. Uh, It's a history of fire, from its many uses to uh, more destruction and how we must face this coming crisis, as the description calls it, our new century of fire. This is Fire Weather, a true story from a hotter world by John Valent. Okay, and now I will go a little bit back up to the happy with a little bit of, you know, deep thought. (laughs) And that is with this book called The Great White Bard, How to Love Shakespeare While Talking About Race by Farrah Kareem Cooper. I'm a lover of Shakespeare, whether it's his actual work, retellings, all the things, but like any other beloved author or piece of media, I believe that we can and should look at those things and people critically. So this book combines analysis of race and gender and otherness in famous plays by Shakespeare from Antony and Cleopatra to The Tempest with a, as the copy states, a radical reappraisal of Elizabethan London. And it's basically a call that we don't need to idealize nor bury Shakespeare like we can look it in the eye we can confront the bad stuff and then you know take it for what it was and just like a lot of art that you know doesn't necessarily hold up in the same way like we're allowed to look at it with a critical lens and point out the things that it got right that it got wrong that made sense for like the context of when it took place and also what it could have done better and as the author puts it we can invite new perspectives and interpretations to yet prolong and enrich his extraordinary legacy, which I very much believe to be true. So I'm really excited to get to this one. It's going to be a thing I gift to myself. (laughs) And that is The Great White Bard, How to Love Shakespeare While Talking About Race by Farrah Kareem Cooper. And I also very quickly want to give a super fast little thing about a book that doesn't need to like be discussed all that much, but I just wanted to add a thing. And that is the Britney Spears audiobook, The Woman and Me. I just wanted to say that, if, even if you think like, oh, it's Britney Spears, I'm not a fan or what have you, that I think this is a really interesting and like important one to potentially give a listen to because it's a pretty short, but I really think it shines like a light on how terribly we treated women and treat them to this day, but really, really terribly in the 2000s. I mean, this woman was getting lambasted by the media, controlled by people who were supposed to be in her corner. Her story is really heartbreaking, so much so that she couldn't actually read the audiobook. She ended up having, you know, Michelle Williams do it for her. 
but it just made me think for a long time about how like i don't know eager i was even to drink the kool-aid back then of the over sexualization the vilification the body shaming like really terribly invasive interviews that really violated her privacy so if you gr- grew up or like you know were coming of age in the 2000s i do think it's worth giving it a listen just to reframe so much and potentially <laughs> find some not so great feelings about justin timberlake but anyway i just wanted to mention that i think it's worth giving it a listen for those reasons so yeah go ahead and read that too the woman in me by britney spears and i'm done all right so those are uh, some of our favorite nonfiction books of the year and books that we want to read and i just thought i would quiz you a little bit because you know the other bibs don't get to talk about some of the things that the other ones do because they're on different shows um did that make any sense at all we're gonna find <laughs> I out. I don't know about the bibs part. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh yeah, not bi- we're not bibliologists. We're hosts. Can you tell I was doing I was doing yes. bibliologist work until we started recording? Um, so, Vanessa, yes. what books are you excited about that are coming out next year? I'm really glad I gave some thought to this earlier because uh, if you'd asked me this question even like a week ago, I would have been like, I don't know what's coming out, but I kind of now do. So uh, roll with me because I have a few. <laughs> I'm really excited to read Celestial Monsters by Aiden Thomas, which just got a, uh, like the title released last month, I think. It comes out in September. It's the finale to the Sunbearer Trials duology, where teen semidioses, semigods, uh, compete in a series of challenges with really high stakes. It's like Mexican inspired fantasy. So that's one. Um, another I'm really excited about is Queen Bee by Juno Dawson. And to say that I'm excited, like if you could see my face right now, it is like excessive, um, but it comes out in July. It's uh, a prequel to Her Majesty's Royal Coven that it goes back to the Tudor origins of said coven. So it's Anne Boleyn's like story, assuming that she was indeed a witch. And I just like my soul is leaving my body with how excited I am to read this book. Like, oh, just give it to me now. Um, my third is Cattail Assassins by P. Jelly Clark, one of my like auto reads, as is Juno Dawson. Um, This one is a brand new or introduces a brand new world and a fantastical city of gods and assassins. There's this matron of assassins whose name is Evine the Eviscerator. And that's like kind of all I needed to know. (laughs) But she has these like three unbreakable vows. And it's yeah, just a bunch of gods and assassins. That's that's all you need to know. So going to read that. And uh, two more. One is Confounding Oaths by Alexis Hall. Alexis Hall, I think it's actually releasing like three books next year because oh yeah it's so many books every he year just, yeah right like he just writes so much his actual website says like uh so I, apparently i've written a fair bunch of books and yes you have this one's about a, a nobleman who has to work with a dashing soldier to save his sister from this magical mystical bargain that has gone awry so yeah like that's gonna be a thing i want and last but certainly not like actually last so much as just ones i'm could quickly recall is A Witch's Guide to Magical Inkeeping by Sangu Mandana. This is the second book um, in this series, but they're standalones. The first one was, oh my gosh, a very secret society of irregular witches. And this one's about a witch who was once one of the most powerful witches in Britain, but then she resurrected her great aunt from the dead, lost most of her magic, and now she is like running the inn with an inn with her now, you know, resuscitated aunt and uh, trying to maybe get her life back on track when she finds this old spell book that could hold the secret to restoring her power. So there's also some romance in there. And I just love this cozy series. And yeah, those are some of the books I am the most excited to read next year. Well, I, I thank you for keeping the trend of mentioning the Dead Cat Tale Assassins on pretty much every show now. <laughs> it's um, so like exciting. I can't I, wait. I, I love P. Jelly Clark. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, so what are you going to read next? 
I'm really excited to be reading The Raiders of the Lost Heart. It's by Joe Segura. It is a like romance about a woman who is going to explore like in the Yucatan jungle because she's trying to look for the remains of her ancestor, like an Aztec god. And there's just so much. The cover alone got me, but I'm just super, super excited to read it for those reasons. And beyond that, I want to read, I actually went to uh, Powell's recently and did that thing where like I pretended that I don't work in the book world and just kind of read shelf talkers and stuff to see like what I should Mm -hmm. read. And I came up with The Hexologists by Josiah Bancroft, which is the first in a series. It's in paperback, so I don't think it's new, but it's of these like two people who yeah are hexologists and they go around solving people's problems with hexes and like a bag of relics. And they've now been asked to like help I think the king and doing something that is very like not on the up and up and they're conflicted about whether to help and how so yeah I really deeply in that escapist bag again as you can probably tell (laughs) what about you well I want to read the hexologist I still haven't read that one but I do love his books of Babel trilogy yes it's quite fantastic um I am going to read fire exit by Morgan J Talty who wrote night of the living res um, the Book of Short Stories that has won like a gazillion awards and is so good. I heard that this, his debut novel, um, someone told me they ugly cried at the end. And I was like, bring it on. <laughs> um, and then I got another book the other day that obviously had to go to the very top of my list because it's called Kitten Tits. And it's by <laughs> Holly Wilson. It's the new um, book being released by Jillian Flynn's imprint. Uh, and it's about a 10 year old with a filthy mouth apparently so i was like yeah i'm in that one comes out in may and uh, morgan talty's book comes out in june so loving these 2024 releases hope it continues and that is it for us today book lovers you can visit mytbr.co to find out more and sign up it only takes a few minutes that's mytbr.co Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Caitlin Bream. Drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com. Vanessa, where can people find you online? I am mostly on Instagram and a little bit on Blue Sky as Buenos Dias SD. All right. And I mostly hang out on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive, but I have been doing a little more Blue Sky at, I think it's just Liberty Hardy. I don't even know. I'm so confused <laughs> by how they put those like weird <laughs> thing at the end and I don't know how to fix it. Um, but yeah, I'm on blue sky somewhere. And if you want to go to Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review, it helps other book lovers to find us. And we thank you so much. I would give you all a hug, but there are a couple football stadium stadiums of you. So that would take a long time. Uh, as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy reading. reading.